it's really just to go back to the human element. We've had a lot of really wonderful opportunities this year with charity partners, especially with Turn and Hatch, and what have made those engagements all the more enjoyable and what we'll be looking forward to working with these organizations for in, in 2020 is it's just genuine, transparent, honest, and fun, to be quite frank, relationships. Hey everyone, I'm Emily Collins-Ellis, and welcome to What Donors Want, a podcast by IG Advisors. I'm the Managing Director here at IG, and we're a London-based social impact strategy consultancy on a mission to bridge the gap between fundraisers, businesses, and philanthropists. At IG, we have unique access to both donors and fundraisers, and we want to help them better understand each other. And so we bring you season three of What Donors Want, our fresh, dynamic, and slightly irreverent view into major gifts fundraising from the donor's perspective. In each episode, we'll interview a donor and get right down to it. What do they actually want from the fundraisers who cultivate them? This advice and more straight from the donor's mouth. Welcome back to What Donors Want. I'm Rachel Stephenson Chef, the producer and host of the show. I hope this finds you all well and healthy and that your fundraising is going as smoothly as possible, given everything that's happening in the world. It's, it's certainly not an easy or a straightforward time. This next episode of What Donors Want is a really excellent one. As you likely know from the title, it's an interview with Katie Goodrich, the Director of Customer Success and Social Impact Team Lead at Adobe UK. Adobe, of course, is an American multinational computer software company headquartered in California. You might know them as the company responsible for Photoshop, InDesign, Premiere, or Illustrator, among many other things, and they are a business on a mission to revolutionize digital creativity for all. At IG, we've had the pleasure of working with Katie and Adobe's London team directly on their social impact, and specifically designing the strategy for a large-scale employee volunteering event in 2019, which was incredibly successful. We dive into all of this in the interview and more, because in many ways, this event and experience is a, a best practice case study that both fundraisers and businesses can learn from. There are so many misconceptions around corporate impact and corporate fundraising, and, and we're so grateful that Katie was so open to sharing a kind of behind the scenes view into this from her perspective as a business. And with that hat on, it's, it's a really rare view. So there's certainly lots of gems in the interview to walk away with. Also, you'll probably quickly be able to tell that this episode was recorded pre-COVID, pre-lockdown. We were actually able to sit down with Katie in person at her office. Shocking, I know. I was joined by my colleague, Yasmin Awad, who co-hosted the episode with me. And of course, the pre-COVID context is why we're able to talk about travel plans and favorite restaurants so casually in the speed round, which all feels like a, a bit of a distant dream or a different world now. I should also note that at the time, Katie was a senior customer success manager at Adobe, but actually by the time this podcast comes out, she is now the director of customer success in addition to her role as the social impact team lead, which is incredibly deserved. All right. Finally, I want to send a thank you and shout out to our official season three sponsor, the Siegel Family Foundation, whose generosity and partnership really makes this all possible. And now on to the interview. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome, Katie, to What Donors Want. We're so thrilled to have you on the show today and thrilled to be in your office here at Adobe. Thank you for having us. Well, thank you so much for coming. I'm excited for my podcast debut. <laughs> 
All right. So as you know, we always start our podcast episodes off with something that we call the get to know you speed round. And the whole kind of philosophy behind this is that when we interview donors on the show, we want to promote the idea that they're actually just people. And that if you want to build fantastic partnerships, getting to know someone on that human level is really important. So we've got 10 questions for you. Yasmin and I are going to spitfire them at you one by one. There's no wrong answer. You okay. can say whatever comes to your mind. They're very silly. And then we can go from there. Does that sound okay? Awesome. Okay. So question number one. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Good question. As you can tell by my accent, I am an American that's living abroad. And I've been in the UK for about 10 years. So if I had to have any superpower, I think being able to just be back home or anywhere in the world that I'd like to be in an instant would be absolutely amazing and save on quite a few hours of time in the air. So flight. I completely agree. As a Canadian, that would be that would be a game changer. Question number two. What was the last show you binged? Oh, what was the last show I binged? I think The Handmaid's Tale I watched on a flight recently. Speaking of flying again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I got through about all of season two it was. Yeah. It's amazing. I've just I finished it and read the testaments. It's yes. so good. Really good. You will love it. What spice girl would you be? Oh my gosh, that maybe sporty spice. Mm -hmm. If only to increase my own sport abilities. <laughs> What Hogwarts house would you be in? Oh, gosh. I will admit that I only recently got into Harry Potter. So I think Gryffindor. Is that right? Did I say that yeah, right? I think yeah. that's probably the right that's answer, right. but I'd probably actually be a Smithereen. <laughs> Slytherin. Slytherin. <laughs> okay. So clearly, clearly you've not watched the movies. No, I think you're told. I could see Gryffindor. I'm a Hufflepuff for sure. So. Okay. Yeah, I could definitely I see that as yeah. well. <laughs> I know. No one's surprised when I say that. What is the one place that you want to travel to that you haven't yet had a chance to visit? Ooh, that is a good question. I am actually going to Madagascar for my honeymoon next year. So it's on the books, but I haven't been yet and I'm very excited to go. Amazing. What was the last great meal you ate and where did you eat it? Oh, so I was in Cornwall last year. No, earlier this year, actually, having a, a meal at Long Clume, which I think is one of the top UK restaurants. And it was absolutely phenomenal. I love any meal where you can kind of sit down for like six to seven hours and just spend some really good quality time with whomever you're dining with. So, you know, similar to what we'll be talking about today, the people part is just as important for the meal bit. So that was my last really, really great dinner experience. Definitely. What is your favorite season in the year? Ooh, autumn, which I think we get a little bit more of in upstate New York where I'm from. But yeah, that kind of middle bit between summer and winter. Mm-hmm. Right. Coffee or tea? Coffee. <laughs> Destiny's Child or Beyonce? Who? Beyonce. You know, it's a tough one, though. <laughs> <laughs> and last, Britney or Christina? Depends on the era, I think. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Christina. Mm -hmm. she, was, she was pushing that kind of feminist edge back in the 90s, and uh, I was appreciating that. Definitely. All right, that's it. You've okay. survived the hard part is over. That was amazing. Thank you for indulging us in that. So now, of course, why we're here, the second part of the conversation is all about your work as the social impact team lead at Adobe. So to kick us off, Katie, as the social impact team lead, but also as a senior customer success manager, 
Can you give us an overview of your primary responsibilities in these roles? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my primary kind of role that I do day to day is, as, as you mentioned, a senior customer success manager. What that means within Adobe is after a customer has purchased a particular solution with us, I'm there to ensure that they're getting the most value out of those solutions. I specifically look after our financial services customers and that's that's my primary job role. So as you also mentioned, I'm also the social impact action team lead for our London offices. Although there's not in you know a kind of apparent overlap between these two roles, I see it a lot in the day to day. Just in terms of what kind of value are you giving our customers? I think a lot of our customers also want to get to know us, as you mentioned, as people. And a lot of our customers are also super interested in adding value to their local communities. Just to give listeners some context, is it yes. a complete coincidence that someone in customer success is also the social impact team lead, or was there some sort of natural overlap between those two where, where, where it was a natural fit for your role to begin with? So the roles of the action team within Adobe are really to give our employees an opportunity to give their time and their talent into our local community. As I mentioned, it's a completely voluntary position. And though there's no overlap per se between my main role as a senior customer success manager and as an action team lead, I think there's a lot of potential overlap in terms of how we can work more with our customers to to give back. Yeah, 100%. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. I think it's really interesting, and, and a lot of companies, listeners may or may not know, but especially the ones that we work with, a lot of them don't have a full-time social impact department. A lot of these roles are voluntary, like it is for you, or it's you know half or a quarter of someone's job, and I think from a fundraising perspective, that's interesting to keep in mind. You know, you, you have a full-time job outside the context of your, your social impact work, and fundraisers need to be mindful of that when engaging with you. Definitely. And I think it's probably important to say on that context that we do have a corporate social responsibility team that's based in the States. Mm -hmm. And we do also have someone who looks after the action teams worldwide. So in order to have an action team within an office, we have 24 offices within Adobe that do have action team leads. It's our 24 largest offices. And those are voluntary positions, but we are lucky enough to also have some of our strategy provided to us from the States. It's very loose in terms of what we can do within our local community and with our charity partners. But at least we do have we do have folks that we can go back to in the states to talk to about you know what's going well, what's not going well, what are other action teams doing, what are some innovative and creative ways that we can be working within the local community. Mm-hmm. So we we don't feel like we're kind of alone over here, but at the same time it is a voluntary position, and in some ways that brings a lot more passion to the role as well. So it's not something that we're doing from a day to day job. So there's a there's a different level of kind of excitement and enthusiasm that you see when you're bringing volunteers into the mix. Definitely. All right, great. So as you just mentioned, Adobe has several social impact initiatives in uh, the London offices, but also in the other offices around the world. So can you just walk us through these and specifically the various ways that Adobe gives back in London? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, just to give a little bit of context to how we decide which organizations that we work with within London as well as worldwide Every year, once a year, there's one day in which employees have the opportunity to vote on the five causes that they care the most about within a local community. It's quite a large list that they get to choose from. And again, it's it's one day. The five that we chose, and sorry, I'm just going to look at my notes here from the London office and London Maidenhead, sorry, both our London Maidenhead offices, were education, environment, elderly care, family services and so child welfare, and housing and homelessness. 
So looking after these five causes, we then have a, a kind of loose mission within our action teams to then provide both matching grants and volunteering activities that are specifically looking at those five causes. And then within those five causes, we kind of have three specific focus areas as Adobe. One is to inspire the next generation of digital media makers. The second is to strengthen our local communities. And the third is to strengthen and promote a sustainable future. So I think the one thing I'd say within our London Maidenhead office, you know, as I mentioned, we have a team in the States that we work with, but we can really choose within London Maidenhead which organizations we do look after. I think from our perspective, we've had a lot of feedback from employees that they want to work with smaller organizations where they really feel like they're they're making an impact within the community, that we can actually see a tangible way in which our volunteering and our matching grant funds are making, making an impact to that business. Mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting because one of the most common and fundraising questions we get when we work with clients on the charity side is with smaller charities who you know have small teams usually below 10 people and they want to partner with corporates but oftentimes corporates will have expectations or need certain assets or engagement from them they don't have the capacity to provide so we always get the question how can we as a small charity engage with companies and it's very cool to see that Adobe is, is a, a you know obviously a, a huge company that really takes small charity engagement really seriously and that you're really flexible to those kinds of needs that they might have yeah, absolutely. And I think our overall mission at Adobe is, you know, creating a change through digital experiences. So, you know, to your point of a smaller organizations that may not have the resources in order to do that kind of promotion, a lot of our products are doing just that, you know, creating and changing the world through digital experiences. So, of course, we can we can help in that sort of kind of marketing and promotion. Mm-hmm. That's something that our organization is serving to do as well. Definitely. I think it's a really cool case study for any small charities listening to review the ways that Adobe has given back and understand how smaller charity engagements can still be really impactful for a company of of your size. And also just to follow up, so in London you said that the staff votes on these cause areas five a year and that there's things like a matching grant mechanism. Can you walk us through some of the other ways that you give back? So I know obviously volunteering is a way, but what, what are the key ways that Adobe gives back with the staff, particularly in London? Yeah, so in this case, I'll only talk about how the specific action teams give back to the community because, of course, we also have a larger corporate social responsibility program and much bigger projects that Adobe works on as a corporation within our corporate social responsibility department. But from an action team specifically, as you mentioned, yes, we have a matching grant component. So for every pound that an Adobe employee donates, we can then give a pound in turn to that particular organization. So that allows us to raise quite a substantial you know, pot of funds for a particular organization. The second is in terms of volunteering. So we actually use a portal called Benevity, which a lot of folks on the podcast are probably familiar with. Within the Benevity portal, Adobe employees can track their individual volunteering time. For every 10 hours that you individually volunteer, Adobe will then give you a $250 grant within the Benevity portal that you can then give to an organization of your choice within the Benevity portal. And then the second piece is for every 10 employees that volunteer between two and four hours, depending on the volunteering space, uh, Adobe will then give a $1,000 grant to that organization as well, or the organization that you choose. So 10 employees volunteering for three to four hours. So we do a lot of kind of team building activities through, uh, through that work as well. That's very cool. Um, so picking up on that and volunteering strand, so, you know, just for listeners, some full context, we've had the honor really of working with Katie and Adobe on their employee volunteering, specifically in 2019, which was very focused on a large scale event. So about a hundred plus employees working with a really interesting kind of out of the box charity partner. So 
obviously we know the context because we've worked with you on this, but for listeners, can you just tell us a little bit about how that kind of event and scope came about and why it was so important for Adobe to use employee volunteering as a mechanism to give back to, to the community? Yeah, absolutely. So actually late last year, our head of Northern Europe named Gavin Mee, he came to me and said, I would really love to have a large-scale volunteering event, not only for us to give back to our local community, but to have a kind of team-building aspect around that. And, you know, as I mentioned, we do a lot of these kind of 10 employees going out into the community and getting the $1,000 grants, but something to a super full, full scale in which other departments are having the opportunity to meet people. You know, we're quite, we're growing and growing as a business. And every day, I think we're seeing different people coming into the offices and it, you can often get stuck in silos. So one of Gavin's mission outside of reaching out to the, the local communities was also how can we get our employees to get to know each other and do some team building activities. So that's where the idea kind of came from. And then, of course, we had the wonderful opportunity of engaging with IG advisors and yourselves and starting to think about who could we work with? Because we we were familiar with a lot of the larger organizations that we work with, and we also had quite a lot of smaller nonprofit and charity partners that we listed out for you. But then in terms of thinking, what's something that we could do that would not only be part of giving back to the local community, but also taking some of the really amazing and awesome skills that our employees have and being able to utilize these within the local community. So we, we engaged with ourselves and gave a list of, you know, maybe five to 10 partners that we've worked with in the past. Again, as we've talked about earlier in the podcast, it can be quite difficult with smaller nonprofits to, to be able to do something of that scale. And in this particular case, you were able to find us two really amazing partners named Turn and Hatch, both focused on an entrepreneur audience in which we as Adobe employees could come in and basically do a mentorship session over the course of a day. We called it a creative business jam. And through that, matched up employees with particular skills with entrepreneurs that were seeking particular skills and had a full day of kind of hacking through a business problem. Everything from a sales strategy to design or logo. And in terms of outputs of that event, if that's something that we want to go into, I can really only speak anecdotally at the moment because we we are going to be looking to do surveys into the future, ensuring that our employees are keeping up with their, their entrepreneur mentees. I actually had a meeting with Gavin just last week where he was asking if we could do a push on a monthly basis to ask people if they're still involved just as a way to kind of say, hey, have you, have you checked in lately? So anecdotally, I think you know some of the stories that I've heard are not only one, I'm still talking to my entrepreneur, I've connected them to some of my other contacts. Others are, hey, I got to sit down and talk to someone who works at Adobe who's actually been here for two to three years that I've never even had the experience of working with. And not only was it cool to get to know that person on a personal level, but we found a way that we could actually work together within Adobe and the business to improve our you know jobs on a day-to-day basis. That's fabulous. And I think just pulling out some fundraising learnings for listeners as well. I think the beauty and why it worked so well of, of that partnership with Turn and Hatch was because it was shared value. That's the, the kind of fundraising term and, and corporate responsibility term that people are using, which is essentially the concept of a partnership where there's both a business return on investment and a social return on investment. So it helps, you know, secure buy-in. You know, as you said, of course, at the heart of this, it was about giving back to the local community. At the same time, there was also a challenge of, you know, a siloed business with multiple offices across the world and people working here for three years and not meeting each other. And so, you know, Gavin having that kind of hat on, as well as a social impact hat and you bringing that to the table, you were able to 
really make a transformative impact on two incredible small charities. At the same time, employees were able to engage with one another to kind of reduce those silos and work in teams to solve a challenge for an entrepreneur. So I think what a great example of shared value, the business benefits, the charities benefit, the entrepreneurs benefit. And also you were able to use your products and, you know, the kind of bread and butter of what Adobe does in an in-kind kind of way. And those three elements came together and it was, it was a very cool, very cool event to be a part of. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that we also loved about it for listeners is we had actual entrepreneurs feeding us during the event as well. And that was a really yeah. important and special aspect to the event as well. Definitely. So one more question for me, and then I'll, I'll hand it back to Yasmin. So thinking about due diligence, which is, you know, obviously it's very important to any kind of donor. It's also important for charities. I want to dive into that a little bit more. So again, for listeners, we, we do have a bit of insider knowledge because we've helped conduct your due diligence and create that framework. But I'm wondering if you can tell listeners a little bit about the different qualities that are important for you in a charity partner and, and what you look for when, when commissioning due diligence when, and when conducting it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I mentioned the Benevity portal earlier within this conversation, and that is, of course, the the partner that we work with in terms of helping us from a due diligence perspective. If we know that a nonprofit or charity partners within our Benevity portal, we know that Benevity itself has done some of the due diligence for us in terms of financials, et cetera. So that's, of course, super important and something that we do talk to all of our charity partners about. So I'd say that's the first thing. In terms of In terms of the other kind of values that we're looking for, I think one of the things that's really special about working at Adobe, both from my day-to-day job perspective as well as as an action team lead, is we get a lot of flexibility in terms of in terms of who we decide to partner with, as long as the, the charity partners are fitting within those kind of five democratically voted upon causes that we'd like to to work with within our local community. And then from there, I'll admit, we relied a lot on IG advisors in terms of giving us information on kind of timeliness of communication and just your relationships really with the, with the partners that you are talking to. And, and I find it as well when I'm having direct relationships with nonprofits and charity partners. Obviously, again, as this is a side hat for everyone on my kind of voluntary team, it's important to us that, that the conversation flows and it's easy. And I, what we talked about earlier in the conversation as well, similar to my, my regular role as a senior customer success manager, a lot of that is also about relationships. And at the end of the day, it's all about the human connection, especially when you're doing an event to this scale, you know, you're seeing people a lot, you're working with them a lot on day to day and just being able to have a, a normal conversation, that kind of human connection is, is super important. So from a due diligence perspective, I think there's the, the obvious checkbox activities that we're lucky enough to have the Benevity portal to, but in terms of who we most like to work with, I think communication is key no matter what. Absolutely. And, and it's something, it's so crucial for charities to keep in mind. You know, even if you have the most beautiful website in the world, even if your mission is so you know, outrageously strategically aligned with yours, with Adobe's, if, if you're not responsive, if you're not, you know, if the people behind that mission aren't really dynamic and know what they're doing, and if, if we can't trust them when we make those introductions, then it is a red flag. Mm. Um, and, and it's something, you know, we get it. It's charities are really busy and it's, you know, it's hard to respond. And of course, we totally understand that. And there's obviously flexibility. But I think it's a really important learning for charities is that you're really, you're only as strong as the people behind your mission, no matter how glossy or flashy that mission may appear on a screen. 
And and one more follow-up question on that. So as you said, Benevity, and for listeners who might not know, Benevity is basically a kind of a digital platform where a lot of companies go to register their CSR and their volunteering hours. So it might be a good idea to register if you're not already. Just uh, a little tip. But beyond that, of course, that takes care of the, you know, the basic check marks. Yes, they have balanced financial accounts or, you know, there, there's not any huge red flags on that kind of department. But some other qualities that we worked with you on and, and we explored for the potential partners were a lot about storytelling. So, you know, is their mission easily communicated? Do they have a compelling human-centered impact story that can be easily relayed to other people? Can you speak a little bit about why those qualities were so important to you as Adobe? Absolutely. So you know, I've mentioned a few times that our overall mission within Adobe as a company is changing the world through digital experiences. And to your point, how do you how do you actually tell that story? And I think what was really amazing about the Turn and Hatch partnerships is when we were, and I do say selling this opportunity to our employees, because of course we are asking people to take a full day out of their day-to-day schedule to to spend their time with our partners. And we also asked them to do some pre-work in advance as we sent profiles out of each of the entrepreneurs that they were going to be matched with. So all of the, our employees did know who they'd be matched with prior to what their business was. And we asked them to you know, give a little bit of thought into that. And I think that that, that ties into the, you know, what we're talking about here is from a storytelling perspective, we had profiles of all of these entrepreneurs. There was a real tangible and human impact that we were seeing. When we were originally talking with IG advisors about who we'd like to partner with with this opportunity, obviously sustainability is a huge focus for Adobe. We think about it within our paperless products, et cetera. And our Adobe employees are also very interested, as we can see with the five causes that we care about in the environment. But when we thought about what kind of team building and team bonding activity that we want to do, we wanted it to have a human focus and a people focus. And we could have gone and planted trees, and we do do that as uh, some of our activities along sustainability. But for this particular case, and when thinking about that storytelling aspect, it was about the human connection. It was about the impact. It was about being able to say, we've had this conversation six months down the line. How did that conversation, how did that day spent with Adobe employee impact that particular entrepreneur and how could you know how could that change in a year's time so not only was this about having one day of impact it was also about the human connection as well as how did that human connection impact the entrepreneur down the line uh, because something that we are really focused on in terms of due diligence as well is impact and being able to trace that impact on a monthly annual basis and these are two partners that when we did originally talk to IG advisors we wanted to work with into the future we didn't want this to be a one-off engagement we wanted it to be something that's sustainable so that all fits into the story as well. Definitely. And I, and I think your point about selling the experience is a really important one. You know, it's not just, of course, for the, the senior stakeholders like Gavin who needed to sign off on the partnership, but also the employees who need to take their full day to give their time to these entrepreneurs. And if charities don't have a really easy story to tell or, you know, a story that's that's clear, that's compelling, that's not too long, you know, that that's very quick to understand, then it really harms the ability of them, but also the, the internal stakeholder like you to make that pitch and to get that sell. So, so, you know, from a messaging perspective, it's just, it's so important for charities to be able to wrap up what they do in a really compelling kind of crisp, short, sharp summary. Because if, if, if there isn't that, it becomes very hard for other people to advocate. 
Absolutely. And I mean, when we think about, you know, we talked earlier in the podcast about my my day-to-day job as a senior customer success manager where I'm working with some of our largest financial services customers. And I'm constantly having to think about both our senior stakeholders, so C-suite down, what are their goals? But then also from a practitioner level, you know, what are you getting out of that particular experience? And it's something that I see happen within my action team lead voluntary hat as well. Not only is it important to get our senior stakeholders totally bought into the organizations that we're going to be working with and the value added. And luckily here we have a lot of senior stakeholders, Gavin in particular, who are totally bought into the the mission of giving back to our local community. But on that same token, it's also important to have ground up every employee on the ground, understanding the mission of social impact at Adobe, feeling like they can be part of it. Because of course, we're all wearing voluntary hats. Some people will be able to give more time than others. But if you're asking again for, for that full day of service as we've said, mm-hmm. understanding what the, that actual impact is and why, why you're going to take out six hours of a day that you could be doing something else. Totally. All right. And next, we just want to ask a bit more about the role of business when it comes to decision making. Because at the end of the day, Adobe is a business. And like any other company, that naturally impacts and frames the way it approaches philanthropy and due diligence. So can you speak to this a little bit? And what is the role of the business when it comes to strategy setting and decision making? And as the social impact team lead, what factors do you have to consider? So, great question. In terms of strategy, we have a wide range of scope, really, in terms of how we approach that as a business. Again, we have our five causes that we care about. We have the loosely defined three specific areas. But then it's really really democratically up to our Adobe employees to help us decide which organizations that they feel really, really passionately about. So we have a monthly social impact meeting that's open to all employees to join along with an email list and a Slack channel and a Teams channel. We have lots of channels of communication here, depending on, <laughs> depending on how you how you get your news. And we have about, I'd say, 55 people on our social impact team list. So that's not all the events that come out, but those specific folks who, who want to help us organize particular events. And every month, folks come to the table with, this is an organization that I'm super excited about. What we're working to do is making sure that we're understanding the kind of KPIs and, you know, loose value that you're looking to get out of that particular event or cause, but it's really open to everybody to bring whatever ideas they'd like to to the fore. And then we kind of look at what other networks are working on within Adobe and then deciding the strategy from there. But I'd say it, it's quite loosely defined, which when thinking as a nonprofit, it's really, you know, please get in touch with us. Tell us what your, what your mission is, what you're looking to accomplish, and we can think about whether there could be a good fit. Mm-hmm. Great. And uh, we briefly touched on this at the beginning of our conversation, but you are a senior customer success manager at Adobe. Can you speak to the role of Adobe's social impact in relation to Adobe's customer success and how do these departments and strategies overlap, if at all? Yeah. So we obviously within the customer success department want to be building want to be building the best relationships with our customers and those that are the most meaningful, both with our products as well as from the human connection. We have a lot of customers ask us what our social impact strategy is and which partners that we do support. So 
I think, especially when thinking about enterprise-level customers, there's there's lots of ways that we work with our customers, both within the office as well as outside the office. With As in any company, we have corporate entertainment, and we spend a lot of time with our customers outside of the office. And social impact is a really real, tangible, and meaningful way where we can, we can spend time with our customers and get to know them on a human level. That's outside of a dinner or a sports game. And we're seeing more and more that our customers are asking us, how can we be working together to actually have a real and tangible impact on our community? And we've been exploring options, and we'll be exploring more options in 2020 to, to do more of that with our customers and also to shout about it a little bit more. Because I think we do here at Adobe quite a lot with our social impact and uh, nonprofit partners as well as our customers uh, we don't necessarily always communicate that out as much. So I think there's a I think there is a lot of a lot of overlap between what we do on a day-to-day basis and how we can incorporate social impact into that. Great. And then one more question. Is there anything that you wish charities better understood about Adobe and the unique nature of your social impact approach? That's a good question. I think I think in some ways I'd, I'd, I'd want to know what the, what the perception is uh, by nonprofits and charities of Adobe Social Impact. I think especially within the U.S., we get nominated for quite a few awards within the social impact sector. I think we are fairly visible about a lot of our efforts. I think even in talking to my friends at times, people aren't aware of all the different kind of products and businesses that Adobe does support across our three clouds, our experience cloud, our creative cloud, where a lot of people know us for Photoshop, et cetera, and our document cloud. And so when I even just think about that in terms of what people understand of us as a business, maybe, maybe they aren't aware of all the things that we are doing within our community from a social impact perspective. That's awesome. And I think something that's really interesting from our end being, you know, because we work with so many charities, just to say that one of the the most common misconceptions that we always get asked is about companies and how much cash they can give. So a lot of, you know, charities are used to fundraising in a kind of a grant way. And when it comes to companies, obviously big companies like Adobe, there's this often misconception that there's just, you know, a huge budget, an endless pool of, of cash donations that the company can give out. And obviously, you know, there, there's capacity to an extent, but a really a solid partnership and a sustainable partnership with a company requires engaging with them so much further beyond cash. It requires using their assets in kind, like your products and services, you know, the, whether it's Photoshop or InDesign or whatever. It involves working with employees, building relationships across the business, understanding how to solve a key business challenge through through a partnership and really taking that holistic approach and not just thinking of it as a cash machine because companies are not like that. And, and speaking from a, a corporate perspective as a whole, cash donations are falling, but strategic partnerships and in-kind donations are rising. So, you know, a smart corporate fundraiser is, is someone who can really understand that, who can take advantage of those, those opportunities beyond a grant. All right. And uh, last question for me is um, mostly about qualities um, in partners. We uh, talked extensively about the role of communication and how that is very important when it comes to corporate partnerships and how it can be a deal breaker when charities are not able to be as responsive and communicative as they should. So after you've selected an organization to support, what are other things that charitable partners do that make your job easier and harder? I think I mentioned earlier, we have quite a few communication channels within our business that we work within. 
what I really appreciate about this last partnership is it actually got me onto the Slack network, uh, <laughs> which was great because our, our Slack. <laughs> Adobe actually uses Slack as well. And when I ended up signing on, I was like, oh my gosh, look at all these other messages from my own, <laughs> my own colleagues. So I, I think having kind of one easy, just to go back to the communications piece, one very easy communications network was amazing. I think that, as always, it's it's the human piece. I mean, we know this about any business that we work with. If you like the people that you're working with, you want to spend more time with them, both socially as well as from a business perspective. I mean, we're going to be going out for a Christmas dinner coming up, so holiday dinner, sorry, coming up with our, our Turn and Hatch partner soon to do a bit of a wrap-up. But I'm excited for that, not only because, you know, I want to talk about our next steps and how we, we can work closer together next year, but I'm actually actually genuinely excited to see Janine and Fred, who we've been working with and catching up with them. So I think, you know, as, as cheesy as it sounds, just bring your full self to the engagement. And yeah, that's, I think that's the thing. 100%. Great. And uh, yeah, obviously we hear from a lot of donors on our show that they want to have honest and transparent partnerships with the organizations that they support. Is this something that resonates for you as well? Are these partnerships easy to find? I would say not necessarily, which is why we engaged with IG Advisors <laughs> to help us in the, in the due diligence of, uh, of finding a good partnership. I think we had a particular focus with this engagement where, where scale was something that we were, where we were particularly thinking about. But yeah, I think, and I think that's true for, for any, you know, any business. Honest and transparency is something that we pride ourselves on here at Adobe. We obviously want that within our partnerships as well. It's not always necessarily easy to find, but, you know, similar to my last point, you know, just bringing your true and authentic selves to, you know, letting us know what your challenges are and being very transparent about that right from the get-go. I know one of the things that came up a lot during our due diligence is, our partners being really honest with us that they couldn't support our event to the capacity. And we were really appreciative of some of the smaller organizations that we work with of, of telling us that because it would have just been a disaster if come time of the event, we had 80 employees that the organization just actually couldn't take on. And we were more than happy to have a follow-up conversation and talk about other ways that we can work with them throughout the year. But what I really appreciated from those conversations that there was honesty and transparency about what could be handled in that particular case, and then to think creatively around other ways that we could work together in the future. 100%. And I, I also think something that Turn and Hatch did so well once the partnership began was that they, they continued to kind of manage expectations and, and say, actually, no, we, we can't do it in this kind of venue because of the following reasons, which are you know, very reasonable. And there was no tension. Everything was just really clear, you know, very straightforward and very honest. And I think it made things really efficient. And uh, it, you know, it, it created the conditions that makes you value that partnership and want to have a Christmas dinner with them and, and kind of think about the future. So I, I thought they did that really, really incredibly. And it's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Okay, so we are ready to wrap up. Thank you so much, Katie, for your time today and for this kind of very, very interesting and, and very exclusive look behind the scenes at, at you know, one of the, the biggest companies essentially in the world. You guys do so much with social impact. And I think this conversation is going to be very illuminating for many charities. Before we sign off, I just want to ask for, for listeners, and listeners are primarily fundraisers at small, medium, and large organizations really around the world. What is one key piece of advice you want them to walk away with from this conversation? Yeah, so I, if I had one kind of closing remark about, you know, one closing piece of advice for, for charity partners, it's really just to go back to the human element 
We've had a lot of really wonderful opportunities this year with charity partners, especially with Turn and Hatch, and what have made those engagements all the more enjoyable. And what we'll be looking forward to working with these organizations for in, in 2020 is it's just genuine, transparent, honest, and fun, to be quite frank, relationships. What a great note to end on. Thank you so much, Katie, for your time. Thank you for having us here today. And thank you for everything over the last year. It's been such a delight. You as well. Thank you. That's all we've got for today. First of all, a huge thank you to Katie for her generous time and advice and for being so open to dive into these topics with us. So, so valuable, I know, for listeners. Stay tuned for more episodes coming soon. Season three will be continuing in the autumn. And in the meantime, you know where to find us. On Twitter, we're at at IG underscore advisors, our website, impactandgrowth.com, or you can email any of us on the team directly for a virtual tea or coffee. You can find our email address on the website. And finally, of course, a huge thank you again to our official season three sponsor, the Siegel Family Foundation, for making this all possible. Thanks again for listening, everyone. See you soon. Mm-hmm.